0: Chapter 10 Go, 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 Press screamed, pounding frantically on the dashboard. I can't. It's stalled. Diane's hand trembled as she turned the key. The engine made a sick grinding sound. The wail of the sirens grew louder, so loud they seemed to be coming from inside the car. Diane turned the key again, pumping the gas pedal. Press turned his head to stare out the back window. The sirens were loud. He knew the police would be turning the corner any second. We're trapped here. Sitting ducks. The old car wheezed, coughed, and the engine sputtered to life. Yes, Diane cried happily. She stomped hard on the gas pedal, and the car shot forward. Yes, yes. Press kept his head turned to the back window. His dark eyes narrowed. His face nodded in fear. The shrieking siren seemed to surround them. Diane pulled the wheel hard to the left, and the car squealed around a corner. She floored the gas pedal, gripping the wheel tightly with both hands, leaning forward as if trying to get away as fast as possible. Another squealing turn, then another. The sirens faded to a distant howl. Press let out a long sigh and turned back to face the windshield. "'We got away,' he murmured breathlessly. He sank low in the seat, raising his knees to the dashboard. "'We got away.' "'That was close,' Diane said, her eyes on the road, her hands still gripping the wheel tightly. "'Yeah,' Press uttered a nervous giggle. "'Real close.' A smile slowly formed on Diane's face as the tension fell away. Kind of exciting," she said quietly. Reva wasn't there, Press told her, scowling. Huh? You mean you couldn't find her? No, she wasn't there, he snapped. Her room was empty. Diane's smile faded. Don't worry, honey. She reached out and patted Press's hand. We'll get her next time. She won't get away. Reva tapped her long fingernails on the glass counter, gazing at the glass doors across the aisle, watching the morning shoppers file into the store. She yawned and turned to Francine, who was busily arranging sample perfume bottles on the countertop. Riva, I want to show you something, Francine said, bending down to slide open a door to the floor cabinets. Why don't you get your nose done, Francine? Riva thought with a sneer. Then maybe you could talk through your mouth and people could understand you. I like what you've done to your hair, Riva told her. What? Francine glanced up fretfully from the cabinet. Oh, I was late this morning. I didn't have time to wash it. Why bother, Riva thought nastily. Francine stood up and straightened her blouse. She carried a small white plastic case over to Riva and unzipped it. We have a special gift today, she said, opening the case and holding it up for Riva to inspect. Thrills, Riva thought sarcastically. Can I stand the excitement? If they buy the two-ounce perfume, Francine said, pointing to a shimmering gold bottle on a the counter, they get this little kit. See? It has a cologne, a bath gel, and a spray deodorant. Francine lifted each little bottle out of the leather case as she showed it to Riva. As she raised the deodorant, she accidentally sprayed a little of it into the air. Yuck! Riva cried, making a disgusted face. It smells like bug spray. Shh! Francine raised a finger to her lips and glanced around quickly, seeing if anyone had overheard. It's a nice gift. Is that a new lipstick you're wearing? Riva asked her. I'm not wearing any lipstick, Francine replied. Unaware that Riva had asked her question to be cruel. So, that's why you look like you died three weeks ago? Riva thought. Francine handed the gift pack to Riva and hurried to the far end of the perfume counter to help a customer. Riva sighed and leaned against the glass counter, daydreaming about Victor and the night before. She pictured the steamed up car windows, the chill night air, the soft darkness all around. She thought about kissing Victor, holding on to him, holding him to her. He was so solid, so good looking. A slender, blonde-haired woman moving quickly down the counter interrupted Riva's thoughts. Riva recognized her. It's the woman in a tacky fake fur jacket, Riva thought. She comes by every morning and pretends she's going to buy something, but she's only interested in spraying herself with perfume for free. Is that jacket real chipmunk or imitation? Riva asked as the woman picked up a large bottle of cologne from the counter. I beg your pardon? The woman set down the bottle and eyed Riva suspiciously. I was just admiring your jacket, Riva said, putting on her phoniest smile. Can I help you with anything? The woman tossed her hair behind her shoulder with one hand. Yes. I'm looking for something a little different, she said, studying the sample bottles. Something a little tart. Not so sweet. Reva grinned at her. I have something new you might like. It's not too sweet. She pulled the small bottle of spray deodorant from the gift case, covering the label with her hand. Here! The woman held up the back of her hand and Reva sprayed a mist of deodorant onto it. The woman rubbed it into her hand, then sniffed it. Mmm, very good. It is different. Could I have a little bit more? Reva obliged. She sprayed more deodorant onto the woman's hand. The woman rubbed it on her neck and behind her ears. What is it called? Arid Extra Dry, Reva muttered. What? The woman leaned forward to hear better. Arid Nights, Reva said. It's French. Two hundred dollars an ounce. I'll definitely come back later and buy a bottle, the woman said. Sniffing her hand, she hurried away. Reva watched the back of the red fake fur jacket until it disappeared around a corner. Then she laughed out loud. This isn't such a boring job after all, she thought. Francine, busy with three customers at once, had her back turned. Reva decided to take advantage of that fact. She ducked out of the counter and escaped, losing herself in the crowd. She wandered along the aisles of the main floor, heading toward the back. Spotting her cousin Pam in the stationery department, she hurried over to say hello. Pam wore a bright green sweater over brown slacks. Her blonde hair was pulled straight back in a ponytail, held in place with a silky green ribbon. As usual, Reva noted, she wore no makeup, not even lipstick. She's always so fresh-looking, Reva thought with scorn. She could do ivory soap commercials. Reva, I saw you come in this morning, Pam said. You were so early. Yeah, I came in early with my dad, Reva told her. He left me a note last night that he wanted to talk, so... You were out last night? Pam asked. Yeah, with your boyfriend, fresh face, Reva thought. Maybe, Reva replied coyly. She gave Pam a teasing grin. New boyfriend? Pam asked. I just love Pam's childlike innocence, Reva thought sarcastically. It's so cute. Just a friend, Reva replied, deliberately sounding mysterious. I'm going out with Victor tonight, Pam revealed, her green eyes lighting up. That's nice, Reva replied casually. He seems like an okay guy. He kisses okay. real okay, Reva thought. I can't stop thinking about him, Pam gushed. She leaned close to Reva so she wouldn't be overheard by anyone else. I think this may be the real thing, Pam whispered. I mean, I think I'm really in love. That's great, Reva replied without enthusiasm. That's really great, Pam. Why can't Pam be smart for once and find a rich boyfriend, Reva thought. Victor doesn't have a dime, and neither does she. I'd like you to get to know Victor, Pam continued, smiling eagerly at her cousin. I think you'll really like him. I'm trying, Reva thought, struggling not to laugh in Pam's face. I'm trying, Pam. Have fun tonight, Reva said. I'm glad someone is having an exciting life. Pam placed a hand on Reva's shoulder and felt the soft, silky fabric of her blouse. It's holiday time, Reva. I'm sure your life will get more exciting real soon." Why are we doing this? Diane demanded, turning into North Hills. The evening sky was dark. She switched on the high beams. I told you, Press said edgily. Sometimes Reva gets home from the store before her father. Sometimes she's all alone in the house in the evening. Maybe we can drop in and surprise her. Press had been brooding all day about their failed kidnapping attempt. He had paced back and forth in a small living room, muttering to himself, shaking his head. Until Diane couldn't take it any more, with an angry cry she had fled the apartment and gone for a long walk. She returned a little after sunset to find Press waiting for her, eager to drive back to Shady Side, back to the Dalby's house. Riva will be alone. We can do it now. I know we can. Press urged with growing enthusiasm. But as Diane turned the Plymouth into Riva's block, and a big stone house came into view, she quickly saw that Riva was not alone. Cops! She cried and jammed her foot down hard on the brake. She and Press stared into the darkness. There were three black-and-white squad cars parked at the curb, and one in the Dolby's driveway. Two officers with bright halogen flashlights were pacing the front lawn, their lights sweeping the ground. I don't believe it, Press declared. Don't stop. Keep going. Diane eased her foot off the brake. I guess they're searching for clues. Rich people, Press muttered bitterly, ignoring her. Here it is, night and the cops are still here from this morning. You think they'd work this hard for some average family? Let's just get away, Diane said with a shudder. She pressed down on a gas and started to ease the car past the Dobby house. But a bright glare of white light in the windshield made her slam on the brakes. Hey, she cried out, as two dark uniformed police officers loomed over the car. Their lights beamed into her startled face from the side windows. Pull it over, one of them mouthed through the closed window. His eyes narrowed, his features set in a hard scowl. They've they caught us, Press stammered. Chapter 11 What should I do? Diane uttered her eyes wide with fear. Pull over, Press told her. We can't get away. A neighbor must have seen a car this morning. We're caught. Caught! Diane obediently pulled the car to the curb and shoved a gearshift into park. In the movies, we'd make a run for it, she muttered. This isn't the movies, Press replied bitterly. The police officer tapped hard on the window with his flashlight. Diane lowered the window. Yes, officer, she called out in a tiny voice. The man bent over, peering in at the two occupants, his face expressionless, his eyes narrowed. You've got a headlight out, he said finally. The left one, see? He pointed with his flashlight. Diane wanted to laugh out loud. Somehow she remained silent. I didn't know, she said in her meek little voice. It must have just happened. I could give you a ticket, the officer said, turning his gaze on Press. But I'm kind of busy here. Why don't you just go and get it fixed? Oh, thanks, officer, Diane replied gratefully. Thanks a lot. She started to roll the window up, but stopped when Press called out. What's going on here? Why all the black and whites? Nothing that concerns you, the man replied sharply. He turned and headed back up to the dalby's front lawn, taking long strides. Diane made sure the window was closed before she burst out laughing. Nothing that concerns you, she repeated, grinning at Press. Press didn't share her mirth. Let's get out of here, he snapped, his eyes on the police officers combing the front lawn. He slumped low in his seat, a scowl on his face. Diane eased the car away from the curb, turned at the first corner, and headed back toward Press's apartment in Waynesbridge. Press remained silent for most of the ride, thinking hard, his eyes fixed straight ahead on the dark, winding road. There's no way we can get Riva at her house now, he said finally, not with all those cops around. You mean you're giving up? Diane cried, disappointed. No way, Press murmured. I have a new plan. All right, Diane's expression brightened. She pulled into a McDonald's. You hungry? She had to ask three times. Press was lost in thought. A few minutes later, tucked in a booth in the back of the restaurant, Press leaned over the table and revealed his plan in a low voice. We'll take Reva from the department store, he said. Diane wiped a smear of ketchup off her cheek with a napkin. How? She works at the perfume counter, see? Press told her, his eyes darting nervously around the brightly lit restaurant, making sure no one could hear. I checked it out the other morning. She didn't see you, did she? Diane interrupted. No way, the store was crowded. I watched her from another aisle. Her perfume counter is right across from a side door that opens onto the street. Diane swallowed a mouthful of cheeseburger. So we park on the street, run in, grab her, and pull her out. Press shook his head. No, we have to create some kind of distraction. We get Riva to step out from behind the counter. Then she's only a few feet from the door. If she's out in the aisle, it'll be easy to drag her outside without anyone seeing, especially if we do it first thing in the morning. There aren't many customers when the store first opens, and Riva has the first shift before that other saleswoman arrives. Diane took a long sip of her Coke, her eyes on Press, thinking hard. Why are you staring at me, he demanded edgily. It's a good plan. It'll work. She set down the paper cup. Yeah, probably, she replied. But we need Danny. Press reacted with surprise. Huh? My brother. Diane nodded. She crinkled the paper cheeseburger wrapper into a ball. Yeah, we're going to need Danny. What for? Press demanded. I can pull Riva out the door. I don't need Danny for that. We need him to drive, she said. If you're going to pull Riva out the door, I have to create the distraction. I have to get her to come out from behind the counter, right? So we need Danny to drive. Press scowled. I don't like it. You know Danny. You know how he loses his cool. We need him, Diane insisted. Danny and his headaches, Press muttered. He's so hot-tempered, Diane. You know my older brother. When he gets excited, he's totally out of control. If something goes wrong, he could get us all killed. Shh. Diane spread her hand over Press's mouth. Danny will stay in the car. That's all. We need him to drive once we've got Riva. No problem. Well, Press shook his head, still scowling. Come on, Press, Diane pleaded. Call Danny as soon as we get home, okay? Press climbed to his feet. Let's go. He headed for the door. Will you do it? Diane hurried to catch up. Yeah, I guess, he replied, pushing open the door to the parking lot. When do you want to grab Riva? It's almost Christmas. There's lots of things I want to buy with that ransom money, Diane said, taking his arm. Let's do it tomorrow morning. Chapter 12. Riva pulled the corn muffin and coffee container from the brown paper bag and set them on the counter. She tore off a chunk of the muffin and took a dainty bite, brushing crumbs off the glass with her long fingernails. Riva, what are you doing? Francine stepped up beside her, an angry expression on her face. Eating a muffin, Riva replied coolly. She held up a crumbly chunk. Want a bite? But you're 25 minutes late, Francine cried shrilly pointing to the clock above the doorway. You know you were supposed to be at the counter first thing this morning. It's a good thing I came in early today. I had to cover for you. Reva concentrated on pulling the lid off the coffee container. I know. I couldn't decide which sweater to wear. She turned to Francine to better show off her pale blue sweater. Do you like this one? It's cashmere. I just wiped off the counter, Francine complained. You're getting crumbs all over it. It's a very crumbly muffin, Reva replied with a full mouth. It's pretty good, though. Sure you don't want a little? Oh, I forgot. You're on a diet. Riva chuckled to herself, watching crumbs fall onto the glass counter. She took a sip of coffee, the hot liquid burning her tongue, then set down the container in a round brown puddle. I think this cup is leaking. What a mess. Francine let out an angry cry. I'm going to make a phone call, she said through clenched teeth. You better get this cleaned up before Miss Smith sees it. Yeah, sure thing, Riva replied under her breath. She watched Francine storm off toward the employee's lounge. What's her problem, anyway? Riva raised the last piece of corn muffin to her mouth. Then she studied herself in the mirror, adjusting the floppy navy blue hat she had pulled over her hair. The hat was the real reason Reva had been late. She just couldn't get it to sit right. It had taken nearly half an hour. She planned accidentally to run into Victor later, and she hoped he liked it. Gazing down the aisle, she saw two people approaching slowly, a boy and a girl. They appeared to be seventeen or eighteen. The boy was tall and dark and carried a raincoat over one arm. The girl was shorter, shabbily dressed, kind of plain, very thin. What a bleach job, Reva thought scornfully, staring at the girl's hair. Didn't anyone tell her you have to do the roots too? Reva picked up her coffee and turned away. I hope those two losers don't come over here, she thought. I'll just tell them ankle bracelets are in the basement, or maybe I'll suggest they exchange tattoos for Christmas. She chuckled. I'm so nasty, she thought, feeling very pleased with herself. She found herself thinking about Victor again. She had called him late the night before. He had promised to break a date with Pam to see her instead. I know I'm going to hate myself for this, Reva thought, smiling. But it's kind of fun while it lasts. It's so boring around here. I need a challenge. Like Victor. She glanced up to see the two tacky teenagers approaching her. Why don't they go shoplift in some other department, she thought coldly. Suddenly, the blonde girl dived to the floor. The dark-haired boy jumped back, a startled expression on his face. Riva turned around, pretending not to be aware of them. My contact, the girl cried from down on the floor. I dropped my contact lens. Riva took a long sip of coffee. Help me. I can't see a thing, the girl cried shrilly. Leaning on a counter, Riva glanced down. The girl was on her hands and knees, running a hand over the black-and-white squares of tile. The boy suddenly stepped up in front of her his raincoat still draped over one arm. He's kind of good-looking, Riva thought. I like those dark, smoldering eyes. Can somebody help me? The girl called from the floor. She had crawled between the perfume counter and the side door to the store. I can't see a thing. Riva, pretending not to hear, lowered her head, trying to hide under the floppy hat. She busied herself straightening the sleeves of her cashmere sweater. Can you help us? The boy asked. I don't have my glasses with me. I'm as blind as she is. Reva took another sip of coffee before answering. Sorry, I'm on my break. I can't find it, the girl called. Couldn't you come out and help us, the boy pleaded. It'll only take a second. Reva set down the cup. Sorry, I'm not allowed to leave my post. To Riva's surprise, the boy uttered an angry curse. Hey, she shouted as he grabbed her arm with both hands and started to pull her through the cosmetics counters, swinging door and toward the exit. Chapter 13 Let go of me, Riva cried angrily. Ignoring her protests, the boy continued to pull her toward the door. It ought to take only a second, he repeated. His eyes, Reva saw, were wide with anger and fear. Let go, she struggled to pull free. What's going on here, an angry voice demanded. The boy let go. Reva turned to see Ms. Smith glaring at her. Reva, what are you doing? Me, Reva sputtered. I found it, the blonde girl cried from the floor. She climbed quickly to her feet. I dropped my contact. That's all, she told Miss Smith. She and the boy hurried out the side door without looking back. Reva rubbed the sleeve of her sweater. Weird, she muttered. Like it's my job to find her stupid contact, she thought angrily. What jerks. Reva, you were very late this morning, Miss Smith scolded, eyeing the yellow muffin crumbs and brown coffee circle on the glass countertop. Yeah. My father asked me to take his new Mercedes to the garage, Reva replied, casually putting Ms. Smith in her place. Let's just kill her, Press's brother Danny cried, turning the wheel hard. His brown work boot pressed hard on a gas pedal. Why don't we kill her? The old Plymouth sputtered, then shot forward. Danny leaned over the wheel, his dark eyes narrowed angrily. He looked like an older, flabbier version of Press. He had the same dark hair and soulful eyes. But his face was round with puffy cheeks, and even though he was only twenty-five, he had a big belly that bulged under his gray sweatshirt. Press was tense in the passenger seat beside his brother, his eyes on the road ahead. Diane sat on the right-hand side in the back seat, nervously toying with her hair. We won't get any money if we just kill her, she called up to Danny. What's the point of killing her? Well, she's messed you up twice, hasn't she? Danny replied. So why not just kill her? Shut up and try, Press snapped bitterly. You joined us this morning and already you want to kill her. The whole point is to kidnap Riva and get her father to pay, Diane explained patiently. Danny talks big, Press muttered. He isn't about to kill anyone. Danny chuckled. He took his eyes off the road and turned to Press. Hey man, don't get on my case. I'm not the one who goofed up twice. Press scowled and turned his face toward the window. They drove on in silence for a while, past bare, wintry-looking fields and farmhouses with chimneys, sending out clouds of white smoke into the gray morning sky. Big-time criminals, Danny scoffed, shaking his head. He gave his brother a hard shove on the shoulder of his bomber jacket. You're going to steal the girl? You couldn't steal second base in a little league game. Danny tossed back his head, laughing as if he had made the cleverest joke ever told, and nearly crashed the car into a truck parked on the shoulder of the highway. "'Watch where you're going!' Diane screamed. Danny swerved just in time. "'I told you he'd get us killed,' Press muttered. "'My kid brother is a big-time criminal,' Danny chuckled. "'Let's calm down and try to get it together,' Diane urged. "'I mean, come on, both of you. lay off each other, okay?' "'Hey, I'm not the one who messed up,' Danny cried, suddenly angry. "'I'm just the driver, remember?' "'Then just drive,' Press muttered, and shut your face.' I can't believe I gave up a day of work for this, Danny grumbled, ignoring Press. Five thousand dollars you promised me. What a joke. We can still get the money, Diane interrupted from the back. She leaned forward, putting both hands on the back of Press's seat. We can still grab Riva, you know. How? Press asked skeptically, turning to face her. She's seen us. She's seen both of us. How are we going to get near her? She hasn't seen Danny, Diane replied. Press rolled his eyes. So now I'm doing all the work, Danny complained. He roared through a red light. Shut up and let her talk, Press snapped impatiently. You have an idea, Diane? She nodded. What about the stockroom at the store, Press? You said Reva works in the stockroom every afternoon, right? Yeah, from three to five, Press replied. That was Press's old hangout, Danny said, smirking, till he got caught with some goodies under his coat. He uttered a high-pitched giggle. Big-time criminal, he scoffed, shaking his head. Danny, give Press a break, Diane pleaded. She squeezed Press's shoulder. So, can we hide in the stockroom? Can we drag Riva out of there? Press thought about it. Yeah, probably, he replied without enthusiasm. There are a lot of cartons and shelves and stuff to hide behind, and the guard at that back entrance is a real goof-off. He's always going in the next room to watch game shows on TV. Good deal, Danny cried. Maybe we can pick up some CD players and stuff, too, while we're there. The only problem is we can't go in there, Press told Diane, ignoring his brother. Reva would recognize us. But she wouldn't recognize Danny, Diane said. Danny could hide in there. He could go up to her, throw a coat over her head or something, and drag her out to us in the car. Yeah, I guess, Press replied reluctantly. Whoa, hold your horses, Danny said, driving with one hand, scratching his oily hair with the other. I'm not stupid, you know. Do I look stupid to you? Yeah, Press muttered dryly. Well. I'm not stupid, Danny said, scratching his scalp hard. He sped around a slow-moving tractor, nearly sideswiping it. I'm not kidnapping this girl. Doing all the work for a lousy $5,000. No way. All right, all right, Press grumbled. You can have 10000 Danny. He glanced back at Diane to see if she approved. Hey, I told you, I'm not stupid, Danny shouted angrily. He slammed the brakes hard. Diane cried out. She was nearly thrown up to the front seat as the car screeched and skidded wildly across the road. Press was thrown against the dashboard. His head bounced off the windshield. Hey, are you crazy? he screamed at his brother. The car slid to a stop on the muddy shoulder. No way I'm kidnapping her for ten thousand while you guys become millionaires, Danny insisted. I may look like a jerk, but I'm not. Okay, how much do you want? Press asked, rubbing his forehead. How much, Danny? One-third, Danny said, staring straight ahead. We split it three ways, whatever it is. Press turned back to Diane. She shrugged. Okay, Press agreed, frowning, one-third. And if the Dolby girl messes me up, Danny said, a strange smile forming on his puffy face. If she messes me up, I'll kill her. I really will.